exclusive podcast from Impact 89 FM. WDBM East Lansing. Welcome to Impact Exposure. Exposure is 88.9 The Impact's one-hour forum discussing relevant issues affecting the MSU community. And now, tonight's Exposure. Hello and welcome to Exposure. Uh, thank you for sticking with us through the uh, little technical difficulties that we were having there. Uh, we've got a great show lined up for you today, just a, a little shorter than normal. Uh, we got uh, Karen Reed and, and, uh, and her friend Jessica from the uh, Fuse ad campaign. Uh, recently won, uh, and the, excuse me, won an ad campaign uh, uh, here at MSU to uh, for, for the Fuse uh, bottled beverage, as well as uh, Angela McCoff from the Michigan State uh, Supreme Court Learning Center. Going to be in here to talk about that. But before we get to any of that, uh, Amy Van Twerp has been oh so nice to stick around with us through all the difficulties. She's here from the City of Lansing. She's the communication coordinator. And now uh, we've got to talk about a full plate for the City of East Lansing. Uh, start right off, we'll talk about the uh, the uh, old-fashioned band and fireworks you guys have coming up. What's, uh, what's all that about? Yeah, we have an event tomorrow night, um, which is part of our uh, year-long centennial celebration. It's the Old Fashioned Band Concert with Fireworks. It begins at 8 p.m. at Patriarch Park. And that's the big park that's located on Alton between Saginaw and Bircham. Um, we're going to kick the event off about at 8 p.m. with the Centennial Community Band. And then at 9 o'clock, we're going to have a 15 to 20 minute fireworks show. Excellent. Now, you mentioned uh, before, you know, all the technical difficulties that it's a 60-person band. Yeah, it's actually um, kind of a compilation of five different community bands. They have uh, named themselves the Centennial Community Band for, it's a one-time show, Excellent. and that's the band that will be performing tomorrow night. So kind of a greatest hits of concert bands of the area kind of. Yeah. Kind of Very cool. Well, now, is this the first time you guys have done something like this? Um. Well, I mean, obviously, we only have... A centennial celebration well, once since our hundred year certainly. celebration, but we actually have not had fireworks in the city of East Lansing for over three decades. Wow. In fact, we couldn't even exactly pinpoint the date the last time they happened. We just knew it was you know over three decades ago. So um, we're hoping this is a you know a big hit. We um, chose to do this towards the end of the summer when it got darker a little bit earlier. Um, we thought it would maybe bring some more people out, and it wouldn't be so close to the Fourth of July celebration. Sure. So. Now, what was the reason for for the uh, fireworks hiatus? Um, well, we, as I mentioned before, we had a we have a year long um, kind of event schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, it kicked off in January, and um, I mean, when we were looking at what other communities have done for their uh, anniversary celebrations, it seemed like fireworks was always part of it. So sure, sure. we thought we at least had to do fireworks. <laughs> Just seems appropriate. Well, it so. sounds good to me. Uh, now, what sort of planning goes into something like that? I mean, you said it's kind of, uh, you know, we haven't had the fireworks for a while. Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you develop a program like that? Um, well, we just sort of brainstormed some ideas. We, you know, we could have just had fireworks, but we thought, oh, let's do, you know, kind of old-fashioned music and add a little spin to it. Um, we also added complimentary lemonade and cookies just to kind of give it, you know, a, like the feel of what people did, you know, maybe 30 or 40 years ago when they sure. used to go to the park it, to these types of celebrations. And we'll always get me out there, fireworks yeah. and, and lemonade. <laughs> we've also done some really, we've also done some things that haven't been as traditional with this centennial celebration. Um, I don't know if you remember, but in January we kicked off our entire centennial celebration with a Human 100 photo. It was in January. It took place um, outdoors in the downtown East Lansing, and we actually had about seven to 800 people come out, and they formed a Human 100, and we took wow. photos. See, I wasn't familiar with that. Now, where, where was that located? Um, right near the clock tower on the oh, corner okay. of MAC and Albert. Yeah, plenty of room there. Yep. Yeah. 
and we had a home tour, a centennial home tour. But then we also had a big birthday bash where we attempted to make, or cr- I should say, create the tallest cupcake tower. And, and how, I, how close did you get? Or did, you, well, did you get the record? <laughs> we did make the record because we were the first one to attempt it. <laughs> and by eye, it was very, it was, it was quite impressive. But we didn't get quite as tall as we thought we would. It was a hot day, and the oh. and um, we had some, you know. The, the the frosting started to melt a little bit. Right, so right. we didn't get quite as high as we wanted, but it was definitely a festive event. People were down there with their party hats. They sang happy birthday to the city. So, so it's now, been what, a lot of fun. What was your goal? How how close did you get to it? Well, we wanted it. We thought we could do it about seven feet tall, and we got list over three. Wow. But um, it was actually quite impressive. If you look, you can go to our website and look at photos from the day, and it was really quite fun. Well, that's not bad for a, for a cupcake tower, I guess. That's right. It was over 2,000 cupcakes. Wow. We're all used. Now, and, and where did you get all these cupcakes from? I mean, was this homemade? You um, were, your no, they or? were donated by Myers. Oh, very cool. Yes, yeah, okay. so we were very thankful for that. Very nice. That's awfully nice of them. Now, so that was was that was that the kickoff of the centennial? Uh, that, no, these I, the 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 um, human one hundred photo was the okay. co- the other events that I mentioned actually took place in the summer. We've had a lot of other events um, that have taken place in between that, and um, the the band concert and fireworks that takes place tomorrow evening is actually our last kind of big outdoor event. And as we kind of roll into fall, um, we're having a lot more indoor events, um, a lot. A lot of the events tend to be a little more like um, focused on um, like history panels and mm. so forth. Excellent. So not the quite the, the big explosion firework kind of events. But yeah, more, yeah. More more subtle, I suppose. More su- yeah, yeah, and you know, you obviously can't fit hundreds and hundreds of people in, in you know sure in an in indoor venue typically. So, so this is the big the big. Uh, this is the last culmination big... of everything. Yeah, very cool. And then we'll have some really interesting things in the fall as well. Very nice. Well, now, uh, anything else Centennial-related uh, throughout the rest of the year? I mean, you mentioned uh, discussion panels and things like that. Yeah, but... I can mention just um, a few of the events. I'm not going to mention everything. Sure. Um, in um, September, um, we're going to have a Civil Rights in East Lansing mm-hmm. program. It's actually part of um, the One Book, One Community program as well. Um and that takes place on September 9th. On September 26th, we have another big event planned. It's a, an event called the Future of a University Community. Um, Mayor Sam Singh and uh, MSU President Luana Simon um, have been working on this together. Um, it's basically a panel to talk about what the future of a university a town might look like, specifically East Lansing. So they're bringing some experts in. Um, there's going to be quite a few MSU classes involved. Um, and it's going to take place at the community center. Um, and then we have um, quite a few other historical um, programs that are going to be put on by the East Hansing Historical Society in November and December. Excellent. So. Wow. Quite, a, quite a full plate then, it yeah. sounds like. Definitely some interesting topics, especially the one of the, uh, you know, the, the future of a university town. Yes. Definitely. I mean, as far as our audience is concerned, I'm sure that's uh, you know perking up a few ears. But uh, love to have you back to, to talk about that at a future date if you'd I'd like love to come to. back. But uh, but before any of that, of course, you've got the uh, some other great uh, events coming up, some more outdoorsy ones uh, in the next uh, week or so. Correct. We um, the city also has a community events program, um, which we do every year. And um, in the summer, we have Friday and Saturday night concerts that start in mid-June and go through the end of August. Um, we've got two weekends of concerts left. Um, this Friday, we have the, um, the Gratitude Steel Band, which is like Caribbean kind of steel drum band on Friday night in Fountain Square, which is the plaza that's in front of the Marriott Hotel. And then on Saturday night, we have the Lash, which is Irish rock, um, Irish Americana music. Mm-hmm. And that takes place in the plaza in front of... Um, 
uh, LS Teco, right across the street from each other. Oh, okay. And the following weekend is um, the Jer- Jeremy Sprague Brothers. And then we end with the Bio River Band, which is a New Orleans-style jazz band, very lively. So the uh, summer's wrapping up, and sounds like the concerts are too. But uh, yeah. you know, I just uh, living in East Lansing, I, I always you know venture down that area, just you know on a weekend or whatever, and just. I mean, not that I should be, but I'm always surprised at the uh, the turnout for for those events. I mean, it just definitely draws people in. It's yeah, always... we usually get a few hundred at each event. Yeah. Um, the other event I wanted to mention that is we also have um, on Thursday nights in July and August we have an event called Moonlight Film Festival. Mm-hmm. It's basically kind of like the idea of going to a drive-in, except you sit in the park. Sure. Um, and it, they're held at 9 p.m. in August. Um, and this Thursday we have um, a family movie called Over the Hedge. But next week, which will be our last um, movie, we actually um, have Ferris Bueller's Day Off, which is we typically the last movie of the series. We try to do something that's kind of more of a, a classic, something that, you know, college students sure. and like up to 30-somethings um, remember, you know, growing up and watching. So yeah. we've done Goonies. That's been really popular. Um, last year we did we tried to do Napoleon Dynamite. However, it was rained out. But this year oh. we're excited about Ferris Bueller's because yeah, any any Matthew get, Broderick movie from the eighties yeah, will always get, get people out. Yeah, absolutely, so. <laughs> and that's always one of my favorites. But uh, I, I noticed that on the uh, on the events calendar, we recommend people bring uh, lawn chairs and things like that as well. Yeah, we don't. I mean, the grass is there, but yeah, sure. a lot. I mean, it's funny to watch people. They come all geared <laughs> up. They have some people bring chairs. I've seen people bring kind of really comfy, almost. They're not couches, but almost like that. Sure. Blankets, people bring, I mean, a whole array of food and kind of make a whole night of it. Oh, I should mention, too, um, the event has been so popular that I think we've been doing this for three years now. An hour, an hour prior to the film beginning, we actually have live music, too. Because oh, cool. people show up so early and just kind of get their spot and hang out in the park. And so we added the music component sure. as well. It's kind so. of nice, uh, you know, pre-show entertainment. Yeah, it's kind yeah. of, yeah, it's a... Very it's cool. kind of a now, whole evening out. So. Absolutely, and yeah, bring your bring your friends, bring your family, bring your lawn chair. <laughs> exactly. Well, now uh, you're you're sort of wrapping up with uh, the events this uh, this summer. Uh, how have you seen uh, things go as far as the the concert series, the film series? What's what's been the reaction from that from the community? Um, oh, it's great. We um, we always have a pretty big audience. We've had a little bit of bad luck with rain on Thursday nights for the movies. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, we and the nice thing is too, we're um, we have a quite it's. A, quite a mix of people. We've got a lot of families that come down and a lot of college age students and, you know, kind of young professionals. Mm-hmm. I mean, they all kind of come down. And then especially for our concerts downtown, a lot of people just be downtown for a wedding or just coming down for dinner and happen upon the concert. And it just kind of mm-hmm. adds a little bit of ambiance to their Absolutely. evening. Yeah, that's always kind of my reaction to I'll just, you know, step outside for a bite and then stick around for a while. Yeah, watch it's interesting, especially with the concerts, because you have the group of people, they bring their chairs, and so you know they came specifically for mm-hmm. the concert. And then there's another kind of group around the perimeter that's just, oh, what's going on? And they right. stop by and enjoy the music. So. Now, have you seen anything more particular, or, or more, excuse me, more popular than anything else? Uh, certain type of music, certain performers? Um, well, we really try to have a mix of different genres of music to appeal to everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, not, not, nothing. I mean, they all, it just, I, they think they bring out different segments of the community, okay. but they all seem to have about the same attendance. So excellent, excellent. Yeah. So now, what, what sort of approach do you do you take to the to the film series? Is kind of a question that I've always wondered. Like, I mean, you're, you're playing over the hedge. We have Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Is it family friendly? Is it just 
just plain good movies? What, um, what sort of screening process is we there? We sort of have a, you know, a, a loose formula. Sure. Um, we try to, you know, we get quite a few families with like kids that come. So we usually have, you know, try to do at least a couple family focused movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, as I said before, the last movie is typically some movie that we think that, you know, college age students would enjoy. Sure. Um, and then we also link up with the Children's Film Festival. Oh. And the film festival. They actually pick the movie and we present that as part of our programming. So typically it could be a foreign film or an independent film. Um, and, you know, we try to promote, you know, the wonderful film festivals in East Lansing at the Absolutely. same time. So, yeah. yeah. It's great exposure for the, for the folks that are making those and, and screening them here, I have to yeah. assume. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Well, um, yeah, for, for those of you who just joined us, we're, we're speaking with uh, Amy Van Antwerp from the uh, city of Lansing, excuse me, city of East Lansing. Uh, we're talking about uh, some of the upcoming events. Uh, we've got uh, the, the uh, old-fashioned band fireworks coming up on, on Wednesday, as well as the Moonlight Film Festival, as always, and almost over uh, next week, but uh, on Thursday as well. Uh, the Fountain Square Concert Series on Friday and the Ann Street Concert Series on uh, Saturday. A lot of great uh, music, a lot of great movies, and, of course, uh, fireworks on Wednesday as well. Uh, I want to thank you for joining us, and uh, thank you for, for bearing with us on uh, all the technical difficulties. Um, but, again, you're welcome back anytime, and I'd really like to have you back to talk more about the uh, the upcoming events, the especially the... Um, uh, Futuring event? Fut- excuse me. Yes, exactly. That, that, that'll, I think that's more relevant to, uh, to our audience than, than a lot of folks that come through here, certainly. So, Great. Again, uh, thanks for coming by, and uh, we'll be right back uh, after these uh, PSAs. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. Attention shoppers, if anyone is missing a rather plump set of love handles, please come to the customer service counter and claim them. The ample love handles were lost in the produce department where their former owner had purchased fruits and veggies to munch on during the big game. Thank you and have a good day. Small step number 81, snack on fruits and veggies. It's just one of the many small steps you can take to get healthy. Learn more at www.smallstep.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Saturday nights from 8 p.m. until 2 a.m., tune into the Cultural Vibe to hear the best in both local and national hip-hop, plus live mixing on the ones and twos. Only on Impact Primetime. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9, The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now, back to Exposure. This is the Impact Exposure. I want to thank you for, uh, for joining us again. We were just speaking with Amy Van Antwerp from the City of East Lansing, talking about all the great events that they've got coming up. Uh, Wednesday, of course, the most recent one, the Old Fashioned Band and Fireworks over in Patriarch Park at 8 p.m. But uh, right now we're going to switch gears. We're talking with a couple of uh, uh, fellow MSU students here uh, who are the big winners of the Fuse ad campaign, uh, Karen and Jessica. I want to thank you both for, for being here. Thank you. And uh, so tell us all about the, uh, the, the contest that you guys were involved in. Uh, it was for an advertising 486 class. Mm-hmm. Um, what the class pretty much does is you get assigned to a company and you pretty much have to come up with a campaign for them. And our class actually got lucky and did a national campaign. So we had to come up with um, a campaign using different kinds of media for Fuse Beverage. Wow. Okay. So, no, so what goes into a campaign like this? I'm, I'm, what pops up in my head is like just posters, but I'm sure it's more than just that. Right. We did a TV commercial, we did um, internet, did print, billboards, things like that. Wow. Now, is this just sort of a, a, like a prototype, or are you developing like real usable ads? Usable. 
Really? So, so I mean, the, the, the stuff that you guys came up with, the TV ads, for example, I'll be seeing these on TV? <laughs> not, not exactly? So. We'll, we'll see about that. Okay. Uh, I mean, I they definitely gave us, they really obviously liked our idea, and, you know, we're going to New York City next week, Monday, so, I mean, it just, it just really depends. If they like it, they'll use it, but... Wow. Fuse also got bought out by Coca-Cola in the oh, middle okay. of it, so I mean they could have their own thing going. Sure, sure. They liked our ideas. So well, that's that's we'll the see. important part right there. Now, <laughs> so the so who ultimately decided on you folks being the the, the winners of the of the contest? Um, the Fuse executives, uh, Lance Collins is the founder, um, the CMO Bill Meisner, Doug McGibbon, who is actually the president of in-house agency, who we had our conference with. Um, they, a team of executives from Fuse pretty much decided. Excellent. So they, they, they picked you out of the crop. Anyway. Yep. <laughs> now, was it, was it just folks from MSU or was this a, a, a bigger It was bigger. There was 11 top design schools. Wow. There's, and within the design schools there, at MSU, there are seven teams of five. So they wow. said there are 65 submissions. And you beat out all of them, huh? Yeah. Very impressive. Now, so, uh, I mean, this... This might be a little hard to say since you were the folks working on it, but what sets you guys apart? What, I mean, creative feedback from them, just your own personal opinions. What, what, why do you think you guys were the big winners? Um, I, I don't really know what anyone else's work was like, so okay. it's hard to compare. But our basis was pretty much by using uh, MySpace and Facebook, and they, I really feel like they saw that as a big plus. They realized that their age demographic between 18 and 35 mm-hmm. really came from that and that they really could use that. So I feel like that was what set us apart. I mean, we really hit the market like right on the target, I Absolutely. feel. Absolutely. Well, now you mentioned Facebook and, and, and MySpace. How did you incorporate that into your ad campaign? Well, we found two people on MySpace that we wanted to use. We had profiles was our idea for the, um, the print ads. Mm. And... We chose two people and like kind of integrated why they liked Fuse into like a small copy, like body copy paragraph. Mm-hmm. And we found this one girl named London, and she's an aspiring singer. And then we used an alumni of MSU, actually, uh, TJ Duckett. Mm. We used him, and then we created an ad around them and then put a plug to their MySpace. Wow. So they liked that idea a lot, too. And plus, like, on MySpace sign-in page, this is a big thing that we use, is they can do advertisements on that. Um, like the sign-in page, you know how like a couple of days ago they had the rush hour. Sure. So I mean, so many people sign in every day. It's it's a good way to get their name out Absolutely. there. Absolutely. Yeah, those are the, the flash animations. Yeah, exactly. that my eye. I definitely know that. We um, also did something called DV mail, which is kind of new. It's like getting YouTube in your email. Hmm. So um, a television commercial that they would do could be emailed to, you know, thousands of people, and it plays like right when you open your email. So, so is this uh, something that the folks sign up to get the the video each day, or um, it, goes, it goes a couple of different ways. You can be put on a list. Um, if you're on Fuse's list, they can send it to you. But it's really it's relatively new, and we had um, the guy that runs the company come speak to one of our classes, and so we asked him if he'd be willing to be part of our pitch. Hmm. Well, now uh, for the uh, the untrained ear, how is that different than like email spam? Because that's the first thing that kind of comes to my mind. Like, <laughs> oh, I don't want you know ads in my inbox. I mean, I'm sure it's different though. Um, yeah, they can do it different ways. Like if a Fuse has like a, a contact list that they send email out to, um, they can send it to that list. Oh, okay, very cool. Now you, you guys are off to uh, to New York. You said on Monday. Yep. Uh, what's what's uh, what's on tap for that? Uh, actually, we're still kind of waiting on the itinerary. Oh. Um, we fly out early Monday morning and come back late Wednesday. And the only thing we know is that we're doing our presentation to a bunch of executives on Tuesday, and then. 
sometime Tuesday night or later that week, um, we're going to have an awards dinner. But other than that, like, we're going to be there the whole day on Monday before. So kind of curious as to hmm. what we're going to be doing down there. They said there are more thing, more information to come. So we're expecting something fun. But you're expecting maybe like the, the <laughs> Monday to be, you know, meeting with executives and I don't know. being high-powered like, ad execs. I like, just to go down there and hang out. But <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully you'll have time to do that. I mean, yeah. it doesn't sound like you're there for too long. So maybe you'll get yeah. to see the sights of, of New York while you're there, certainly. But. And we're staying right on, on uh, Madison Avenue. So. Wow. We'll be right in the advertising the, in the mecca mix and everything. everything. Wow, <laughs> that's pretty impressive. But now, so I have to assume that uh, there's there's definitely some kind of personal perk for you guys in this. I mean, you know, scholarship or, or you know, something for the school, uh, anything like that. Well, it's really great recognition for MSU. I know mm-hmm. the department's really excited that we won, but also it's just good for our resumes. Certainly, yeah. <laughs> I have to assume. I mean, you're, you beat out so many schools. I'm sure MSU is pretty proud of that. Oh yeah, definitely. Now, is this? Um, was this outside of a class, or was this part of like a? It was part of the class. Part of the class. Yep, forty-six. Okay. Like that was what the entire class was. That's what we worked on. So this was semester. your final, in addition to everything yeah, else. Exactly. Wow. So you know, not yeah, like you didn't need any more pressure on that. <laughs> right. But we actually we found out so late. They we submitted it what like the beginning of April, yeah. and we didn't find out till the beginning of July. So it oh, kind wow. of was just. You know, put on the back shelf for a while. We pretty much, since we didn't hear anything, we figured we just didn't win. Sure. And then... We were really surprised. <laughs> so you guys very... put together an ad campaign in a month, essentially, that beat out 64 other uh, entries? Well, we we worked on it all semester, really. Okay. So, okay. But still, even then, just one right. semester to And we competed against some really big schools. So that, I guess that's why it was so surprising, just because... Yeah. You know, MSU has a good advertising program, but we were competing against, like, schools that do strictly design right. and stuff like that, so. Wow. Uh, who else, I mean, what are some of the, the, the schools that kind of get, like, made you um, really? The Art Institute concerned? of New York City. Wow. Uh, on Creative drug- Circus. Yeah, they're is, a big one. It's like $60,000 just to go there and work on your portfolio. <laughs> yeah. Some gra- graduate programs. Yeah. Um, what is it called? Uh California Fullerton, um, the Art Institute of Chicago, some like uh, Savannah College of Art and Design. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some big names. I mean, I I'm not an art student I mean, or advertising student, but I definitely recognize some of those names. That's yeah. that's pretty impressive. So now, I, again, getting back to to the, the campaign itself, um, when you when you see, I mean, you obviously Fuse is, is, is a beverage, but beyond that, like, how do you devise like a campaign around something like that? I I, I mean, I just see it and I think, like, oh, it's a, it's a drink, but I'm sure there's, like, a brand, there's an image that you want to project. Where do you get that kind of idea from? Um, it's... <laughs> Maybe I'm thinking too high about this, I don't know. No. Um, it's, uh, it's kind of hard. Like, that was the big, I think that was the biggest challenge, was setting aside fuse from other drinks. There's so many drinks out there, sports drinks, energy drinks, that they're really competing against. Um, we really took the basis of the fact that... Uh, they now that they are owned by Coke, they have a greater you know opening of campaign. But um, they're big, you know, they're a really healthy drink. That mm-hmm. was that's their biggest thing that they wanted to get across. Uh, some of their slenderized drinks, they only have like what twenty calories in the whole entire thing. So you know, setting that aside, like we wanted to make people aware of the fact that it's not only good, but it's healthy for you. But we also didn't want to do it in a very obvious way. Like, linking it with someone on MySpace seems, like, kind of off the wall, but we didn't want to do, like, Fuse tastes great. Like, we tried to do something a little more interesting. So how did you approach that? What was the more interesting angle that you took? Well, they wanted to um, really market a lot towards young guys. So um, that was, like, their big 
problem for us to solve. So we use that's why we use TJ, which you could our ads are I don't know, they're very you can integrate them into any any person they wanted to use or they already have a contract with. Like we had London and TJ, but you could put anyone in those ads and like the TJ one related it to sports with their energy drink. So now why was Fuse looking at, at getting a male a young male demographic? Because they're they're I mean, a lot of people, like, we did a research on it and surveys. A lot of people saw Fuse as being a really girly drink. Because of the, the healthier alternatives? The healthier there. alternatives, the colors that bottle. they use, the shape oh, of the bottle. Okay. Um, and they really wanted to, and they came out with a sports uh, Vitalize. Um, and they they just really want the age demographic to be male and female. I see. And that's their biggest, their biggest uh, issue right now is trying to figure out how to do that, so... So when it comes to devising this campaign, are you folks also involved in sort of the, the look of the product as well as the advertising? Or is nope, it just... no, the bottle stays the same. Okay, so just getting the message out there. <laughs> <and confused. laughs> no messing with the logo. Now, you, okay, so, you, so you're attacking this from, from a variety of different media then. You're, you've got internet and print and, and video and all that. I mean, I'm assuming you got all this, uh, these, these skills from the advertising department. Um, I, <laughs> you kind of roll your eyes there, but I mean, is that, is that the case? I mean, or is this something you just... Well, do you, do you come up with a concept and then have someone else enact that? We did all the did all ads ourselves. We there's one class that we took called layout and design that teaches you how to like make an actual ad, and mm. we were taking that simultaneously with this class, so it was a lot of learning. Oh, I'll bet. Yeah. Well, now uh, I was reading something on uh, Slate the other day. They 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 broke down um, all TV ads into sort of twelve types, um, and and it just kind of drives home for me like how. How you see just kind of the same repetitive t- ads, you know, on TV, on the mm-hmm. internet, and everything. So I mean, coming to get, coming out with a, an ad campaign that's sort of unique. I mean, that's that's got to be a pretty big challenge for you guys. It was. It took us a while to figure out what would set us apart from you know other drinks, let alone from other people's submissions. Mm-hmm. And but I mean, once you got you know once you had the idea, you just kind of rolled with it. But you know, I mean, keeping it edgy and fun is like the biggest thing, you know. It's eye-catching. I think sure. our ads were so that really helps a lot. So now, a question I have for you guys, uh, since you're both uh, you know ad advertising majors, uh, I, I've noticed that you know throughout the last uh, maybe ten or twenty years, there's been sort of a push for like more controversial ads. You know, it's something to mm-hmm. catch the eye. I mean, what what's your take on that? Do you think there's a place for that? Do you think it works or? Uh, I think it works. Yeah. I mean, is that something that you would? Would like to say. I mean, obviously, I don't think this fuse campaign was too, you know, shocking or racy. Shocking. But, no, uh, not at all. But I mean, w- was that something you could see yourself working on, or is it something that just not your bag, but it works? Um, I think it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's. I don't don't necessarily condone it, but it's fun to work on stuff like that because yeah. it gets recognition. Now, something I was looking at was that. Uh, uh, there's a perhaps a strategy with some advertising companies to make like a, a, a shocking ad, make sure that it gets banned in order for people to draw attention to the to yeah, the website. The PR is better than the actual. Yeah, exactly, ad. <laughs> exactly, and, and it works. I've I've done it every time. So I mean, there's there's definitely strategy that I think. I think it works. has a time and a place. Yeah. You don't want kids to see certain things, but. Certainly, yeah, but with Fuse, uh, definitely keep it a little more uh, PG. friendly. Exactly. PG. <laughs> yeah, they seem exactly. like a really PG company. So. <laughs> yeah, especially with Coke behind them, I'm sure right, they want to keep exactly. it a little more uh, you know, appropriate for everybody. I think. Well, uh, for those of us just jo- for those of you just joining us, excuse me. Yeah, we're speaking with Karen and Jessica, who are the recent winners of the uh, Fuse ad campaign. Folks here from MSU are off to uh, New York City to uh, prevent or prevent, excuse me, present their uh, their ad campaign to uh, to Fuse for the the fi- Is it now? Is it the final? 
decision? Is that what's coming up on Monday? The uh... um, it's just pretty much our final presentation to them. Okay. Uh, we did a presentation before uh, through video conferencing. So this one, we're we're gonna meet everybody. Uh, we only met one of them last time. No. Oh, okay. Um, so this time we'll we'll be right in front of them and get to meet all the big people. So there's um, also three other people in our group. And oh, they okay. might be listening. I was, was going to ask about that. So if you want to give a, if you give a shout just out. Karen yeah. and I. Um, yep, Lindsay Young, Jeff Farmer, and Molly Schultz. Well, congratulations to you folks as well. Uh, yeah, it's a shame you couldn't be here to join them, but uh, we're you know pretty impressive that you guys could beat out so many other competitors and, and make a good name for MSU. Well, thank you. Certainly. Well, I want to thank you both for joining us, and, uh, and thanks again to the folks who, who could make it as well. Uh, we've been speaking with Karen and Jessica, the winners of the Fuse ad campaign. Uh, we're going to take a short break and return with Angela McGough from the uh, Michigan Supreme Court Learning Center here on uh, Impact Exposure. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. For some high school students, school can be a dangerous place. A lot of gang members look at you as a gang member, too. For some, just being in school can be a struggle. I wouldn't go to school. I didn't care about what my mom said. My mom would tell me, like, what are you doing for yourself? You're not doing nothing. But despite all the obstacles, inside every high school student is a graduate. People look down on you if you don't have a diploma. I want to graduate because they say I won't. Go to BoostUp.org and find out how you can help a friend, a son, a daughter finish high school. BoostUp.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Army and the Ad Council. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime. where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Tuesday nights from 8 until midnight, the Impact's Progressive Torch and Twang brings you the best in alternative country and grassroots music. Only on Impact Primetime. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9, The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432 3893. And now, back to Exposure. Uh, thank you for uh, rejoining us. Uh, this is the Impact Exposure. We were just speaking with uh, Karen and Jessica, the big winners of the uh, Fuse ad campaign here at the MSU's advertising department. Winners uh, beating out 64 other uh, campaigns to uh, win the big prize going off to New York City on Monday. So congratulations to them. We're going to switch gears now. We're speaking with uh, Rachel Dronovsky. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, from the uh, Michigan Supreme Court Learning Center. I want to thank you for joining us. Thank you for asking. Well, uh, tell me, what's the uh, Learning Center all about? We're a gallery space located in the Michigan Hall of Justice that's downtown Lansing, about three blocks west of the Capitol. We're the other building that's got the dome downtown. And we're a gallery space that teaches the public about the court system. Um, when the building was built in 2002, the justices realized that the court system was a, a big part of our lives, but a lot of people don't understand it. Certainly. So they decided to create a space for people to learn about it. Now when I hear Learning Center, I think uh, sort of an exhibit for, for kids, but that's not quite the... The, the angle, is it? Well, it's for all ages. Okay. Um, we have a lot of fourth and fifth graders coming. For those people out there that uh, grew up in Michigan, they probably went to visit the Capitol at that age because that's where in the curriculum it falls to learn about Michigan history and government. But we get all ages, uh, students right on up through college. We also get law students and adult groups as well. In fact, I think the last tour that we had come through was from... I believe Russia. They were here to learn about American government, and so they came to visit the Learning Center to learn about our courts. Oh, so now, why all the way from Russia? Why why the Michigan Supreme Court? It's um, a matter of we're in the state capital, mm -hmm. and there are several groups that bring through people from other countries, and we're one of the stops that they come on. And sometimes they also have a chance to meet with one of the justices that work in the building as well. Excellent. 
So now what sort of, uh, I mean, is there just a typical tour that you run everyone through? Do you customize that for, uh, for the, the groups, you know? Fifth graders, I'm sure, getting a different one than the Russians. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a little bit of both. The tour takes about an hour long to get through. You make reservations. Otherwise, if you want to just come as a family-sized group or an individual, you can just walk in and take as long as you'd like. If you make a reservation ahead, it takes about an hour. And we do have a general tour where you learn about uh, basic things in the court system. A lot of people have many questions, so and that's one way that we that we cater to different interests with the tours. There's also, for the school groups that come through, we do have what we call our Core Democratic Values Tour. Core Democratic Values is a, is a fancy term that educators use about those basic principles, liberty, justice, equality, all those things that our court system and government is based on. So we talk about those. So they're giving a definition of things we hear all the time, just kind of thrown about. Exactly. Very cool. Exactly. So now what, what sort of, you mentioned some of the, like, the core values. Uh, what, what are some of the exhibits that people can can see if they come on down and visit. Uh, one of the main parts of the Learning Center, it's in three different spaces is how we like to think hmm. about it. And one of the main parts is a mock courtroom. It looks like a trial court courtroom. So there's one judge and a jury and you can take, and there are hands-on computers and you follow one court case and you see it from different perspectives. So you see what the prosecutor might do, what the defense lawyer is all about, what the judge has to decide during the case. And you also get a chance on these computers to pick your own jury. So you can decide oh. which people would be most fair if it was your jury. So are these real court cases that have already been decided or are these uh, sort of fictional? The one that's in the courtroom is a fictionalized one. It's based on something that actually would happen oh, and okay. it's based on Michigan law. But there are also a lot of gallery exhibits that talk about particular cases. For example, Brown versus Board of Education, um, which just celebrated its 50th anniversary mm -hmm. a couple years ago. Um, I'm trying to think what other cases are in there. But it's it's a mixture of some some of its pure history, some of its case law, what lawyers call case law, as, right. as some other people call it, the history of, of um, how cases have been decided in the past. Other things are about constitutional rights. Um, we have an exhibit about First Amendment free speech, freedom of the press. Um, all the goodies. All of those good <laughs> things. Very cool. Now, uh, are you covering mostly things that affect Michigan, or is this, you know, law in general? Um, primarily, our mission is to talk about uh, Michigan and the Michigan court system because we are sponsored by the state of Michigan as part of the judicial branch of government. Mm -hmm. But because we have a dual system in the United States where people are affected both by federal law and by state law, we do touch on some ideas of, we talk about the how there are two systems. We talk about how the U.S. Constitution, everything that happens in Michigan has to fall under the Michigan, uh, under the U.S. Constitution, so we can't be unconstitutional. So it's it's a little of both, but we focus on, on the state government part of it because really people in the state are most affected directly by state law. Certainly, certainly. Now, so you're putting in sort of the, the greater context as well as something that people can relate to. Essentially. Exactly. Very cool. Now, exactly. Uh, do you trying to think how, to, how best to put this. Is there something unique to the Michigan Supreme Court that you, that you cover that may not be as relevant in other states? I mean, is there something specific to, to Michigan? Uh, there are. Our court system is defined by the Michigan Constitution. And so, for example, when we compare federal law and state law, um, the state court system has seven justices. Under the federal system, there are nine. Mm -hmm. In Michigan, all judges and justices are elected. They're on that nonpartisan ballot at the very end. You have to get to the very end and vote for them separately. And then, as opposed to in the federal system where the judges are nominated and then in 
by the president and then the Senate gives their advice and consent on them. So we elect our judges every six years, our justice of the Supreme Court every eight years. Oh. And in other states, some are appointed. In other states, they have different lengths of terms. In Michigan, our justices, all seven of them are elected as associate justices, and they choose their own chief in other states. Um, for example, Ohio, they you vote for the chief justice mm. of the Supreme Court. So it depends on what state you're in and how your constitution defines the court system. Certainly. So yeah, I'm sure a lot of a lot of stuff to cover for folks that are uninitiated, I guess. <laughs> yes, yes. There's a lot to learn about the court system. So now that that leads me to my next question. Um, I'm you know, like I met, we mentioned earlier that I'm sure you get a lot of a lot of uh, you know younger folks coming through checking out, you know, as part of school projects or otherwise, mm -hmm. uh, how do you make something like this appealing to, to younger kids? I mean, I'm, I was a political science major. It's already interesting to me. But how do you get someone at a young age interested in this topic? It's actually very interesting. Uh, the kids that, that come are already very eager. At fourth grade, kids at that age really want to learn. And so they're excited to be there. It's hands-on, so there are a lot of computers and push buttons. Mm -hmm. So kids at that age, are, they're still very physical in their learning, so it gets them a chance to move around and discuss and look and touch as well as listen. And um, so they get excited about that. It also brings it down to their there where they are in their life. So it talks about things like we have a school locker that's in there. And so it talks about, can the principal search your locker or oh, not? Yeah. And so it brings things right into their life. And so we tried to, in different places in the learning center to bring things into students' lives and into adults' lives as well, that there are a lot of times where you can see that aha moment mm -hmm. when somebody either asks a question or finds something like, oh, I always wondered that. Yeah. Or when we're giving tours, we have volunteers, and then um, I give tours as well, and, and we have one other staff member that gives tours. But somebody will ask a question like, oh, no, now it all makes sense. It all fits into place that we've learned that. That makes a lot of sense because I remember uh, various classes that I've had when we talk about issues of like freedom of speech in schools, that usually seems to be a big battleground area for that. Is it is it appropriate for students to be able to say and do certain things or is that something that you get once you're you know, an adult? And, and I'm sure being able to connect that for students is, is sort of a, a priority of yours. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and of course the recent uh, bong hits for Jesus you know, issue that's, is a, a good example of that, I'm sure. Yes, the U.S. Supreme Court recently decided, I think it was in June, that um, that that students don't necessarily have quite the same freedom of speech because there's a balance. And a lot of times that, especially at the Supreme Court level, whether it's the federal courts or the state courts, they're really trying to make that balance of, you know, which is it, is it common good or is it, is it, um, pursuit of happiness. Right, exactly. Types yeah, of things. I remember being in high school and having, you know, certain shirts were banned, of course, things like that. It's, it's always kind of a tricky issue, but mm -hmm. it's always interesting to see where, you know, state and federal courts come down on that. Um, of course, speaking of, of state courts, uh, how, how do you incorporate uh, more recent decisions such as the affirmative action or um, uh, domestic partner benefits issues? How, how does that sort of thing get incorporated into, into a curriculum like this? Um, one of the ways that we do it is we have summer student programs. And in the summertime we have, because we don't have quite as many school tours, we have the luxury of having special groups come in. And so we have two programs for students who are in middle school and in high school who are interested in pursuing careers in the law. And one of the ways that we do have more current cases is the high school students do a moot court. And moot court, if you might have 
either done it in school or seen it before where you actually make arguments as if you were before the Supreme Court. And so the high school students, they come and they play all the roles. They're justices, they're attorneys, they're court staff, and they do all that research. And we pick a case that has actually been within the past year decided by the Michigan Supreme Court. And so this year we worked on the Nestle Waters case that was decided in July. I think July 25th the opinion came out. So so they get to do that on their own. For folks that aren't aren't familiar, what was the Nestle Waters case? Uh, The Nestle Waters case, uh, the Supreme Court was examined the portion of it where it determined if um, Michigan citizens for water conservation had standing to bring the suit to it was the part that the Supreme Court decided. Um, And what it is is Nestle Waters is the bottler for Ice Mountain Water, and they have a bottling plant in Macosta County. That's where Big Rapids and Fair State University are located. Mm -hmm. And um, the Michigan citizens for water conservation uh, were interested in not having that happen. And so the idea was, did these people have the right to sue or not? Interesting. And, and the ultimate decision? The ultimate decision was, is it depends. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> In a very lawyerly way. Um, what it is is that they had standing on the portion where they had riparian rights. It's a very complicated case, and riparian rights has to do with um, when you own land that's adjacent to water, you get what are called riparian rights. And riparian has to do with river banks and Mm. lakesides. And so so they had, the court decided they had standing where people that belonged to this organization had riparian rights. I see. Not, of course, uh, someone that's, that's, you know, involved in the law every day. Uh, are there any uh, cases that you're, you've been keeping an eye on as far as uh, state Supreme Court or federal Supreme Court? Uh, any, any cases that you're eagerly waiting a decision on? Uh, well, actually, we're in between sessions right now. Oh. And um, the court the court session runs from October through May, and they hear oral argument uh, two to three days per month. And right now, they're in between sessions. And so they don't have any cases pending currently, so we're actually waiting for cases to come out. I know coming up September, I believe it's September 14th, they're doing a special session in Lapeer County, in the Lapeer County Courthouse, um, it was um, re- it's it was built in 1840s and it was totally redone and they're rededicating it. So they're going to oh. do a special session from there, which is very exciting because they the Supreme Court only gets out of Lansing to do cases out state maybe once a year, once every other year. Sure. Wow, that's going to be pretty exciting for you folks. Yeah. So yes. Well, now, what uh, speaking of, of other cases, what what makes a great case for for the Learning Center to, to educate uh, visitors about? I mean, what what are the hallmarks of something that's really important? Really important. Um, it's something that affects the everyone's lives, and usually by the time they get to the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court is the only state court that gets to decide which cases it's going to take, and so it it only takes the ones that affect generally people in the state of Michigan. So um, by the time they get to the Supreme Court, they they are going to affect everyone. So we typically um, talk about cases that are things that have gotten press, maybe because we know that people are, are wondering about them, so we bring them up. One of the cases that was a couple years ago was about whether you could walk along the beach or not. So that's really? a good one that everybody can relate to, because who in the state of Michigan hasn't wa- wanted to walk along the sure. Great Lakes shoreline? Well, so, now, what was, what was the issue there? I'm, I'm curious. 
It was actually a very interesting case that it started out where it was people who were just upset with their neighbors, <laughs> and hmm. they didn't work it out, and it ended up being this case about whether you could walk along the shoreline or not in the what was decided is as long as you walk below the high watermark, you may walk along, even if it's in front of private property. Now, it's it's a whole other thing if you stop and 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 <laughs> kind and, of and, out. And, yeah. and and linger, but you can walk past. So. I see. So was this like it was a private property versus trespassing? Kind yeah, of and it okay. actually had to do with public trust as well, oh. because the shorelines again with this riparian rights thing. Sure. This water keeps coming back, being that we're in Michigan, <laughs> is in public trust, and so it's for the good of all. And so the no, state, the state has has to take care of things that are in the public trust. So, so when you say the public trust, uh, could you provide a little definition of what you mean by that? Um, it's called public trust doctrine <laughs> in in legal terms, and so things for that are good for the good of all. So um, typically, public trust has to do with environmental water rights, being able to use things as a whole. People that live in the state of Michigan, yeah, and beaches certainly. Uh, Fall into that category, I'm sure. Yes. Uh, well, again, we've been speaking with uh, Rachel Dr- Dr- excuse me, Dranovsky. Sorry about that. I'm quarter Polish. I should be able to pronounce <laughs> these names. Uh, from the uh, Michigan Supreme Court Learning Center. Uh, well, thank you for, for stopping by and uh, telling us a little bit about that. Uh, if you're interested in stopping by, it's uh, located at 925 West Ottawa. Is that correct? Yes. All right. And the number uh, 517-373-7171. Yes. Number I have down. Okay, perfect. And, of course, more information is available at courts.michigan.gov slash PLC. Rachel, again, I want to thank you for, for stopping by and joining us. Uh, this has been the Impact Exposure. Uh, of course, more great uh, community events coming up every Tuesday between 7 and 8 p.m. We're going to switch things over now to the uh, Progressive Torch and Twang. As always, fantastic, especially show here in the Impact's primetime lineup. Again, thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this evening's Exposure, only on 88.9 The Impact.